Enlorn. And I'm Donna Grace. Welcome to the Life Rebalanced Podcast. Today, Lauren and I want to talk about time management. Time, like any of the other resources we have in our lives, whether it be concrete like money or something less concrete like our energy, it's something that we have to be aware of and we have to manage efficiently so we can leverage it. We're both proponents of creating efficiencies in our lives, which in turn will free our time to really focus on the things that we want to be doing to move our lives forward, to achieve, to accomplish, and to enjoy. In seeking these efficiencies, we've developed some tools and techniques for time management that we find work well for us and we wanted to share with you today. Our hope through this conversation is that you might find something new you can take away and try and see if it would work for you. We would both admit that what we currently do for time management is something that has been developed through a lot of trial and error. It's what works for us right now. And our general philosophy is take what works for you and leave the rest. One thing I've always been really fascinated by is hearing what people's morning routines look like. And the morning is such a critical time to get started on the right foot for your day. It sets the tone Mm. and the mood, and it can really get positive momentum flowing. And then that, in turn, feeds into the rest of your day. So my morning routine is something that's been really critical for me and creates a lot of efficiency, too. Yeah. Have you a morning routine? No, I haven't. And I think it's you know, it fluctuates over time because we are still parents of young Mm. children at this moment. And I think your morning routine really a lot of times is dictated by the ages of your children, right? Yeah. If you have kids waking up at the time you're hoping to be exercising, that definitely uh, will throw a kink in it. It will. And I don't know about you, but it seems like no matter what time I try to get up to get up before them, they just adjust their little internal time clocks and like to (laughs) greet me. But I have developed a morning routine that has really, really worked well for me. And one thing that I really focus on in the morning and in the evening as well too, is to limit my use of technology. So I want my morning time and my evening time to be totally separate from any screens, technology. I don't want any inputs. I want that time to be just me. When do you shut down at the end of the day? And how religious are you about that? I find that very interesting. I'm with you totally on the beginning of the day, but I have a harder time at the end. Do you? So for me at the end of the day, I tend to, I would say maybe 45 minutes before I go to bed, I really put the phone away. And that's the time that I will go through my evening routine. I have to admit my evening routine is not as strict and stringent as my morning routine. Again, I think it is dictated a lot by the ages of kids. So as my kids have gotten older, my evening time alone has really decreased because they're staying up later as they're getting older. It absolutely diminishes. I am right there with you. Yeah. So we probably started, I'm going to guess, getting on track with really good morning routines around the same time. I'm guessing like in our lives, like a couple of years ago. And and for me, most of that was because of children. Yes. They dictated my morning. They needed to get places, lots of different ages, lots of different needs. Mm-hmm. But now once my youngest, about a year and a half, two years old, I started getting more into it. He's, he's four and a half now. So how much time do you give yourself? 
And how did you choose what you're doing? And like, what is your intent and purpose with what you do? How does that work? So I actually give myself a very healthy cushion of time. I try to get up at 5 a.m., knowing that typically when we're not living in pandemic times where we're at home all day, I would be out the door by about 7.35 in the morning. So I've got about two and a half hours. That's super similar to me. Yeah. I was doing like 4.45 out the door by 7.45. Okay. See, I could probably use those extra 15 minutes, but there is literally something in my head that tells me if I am up before... 5 a.m. It's still it's still time to sleep. I can't do it. Four looks so different than five. It looks it does. so different. But I'll tell you now that it's light earlier, it might be easier if you're looking to put that in your life. Just saying. That is true. You're right with that. And the other challenge on that front is I'm the kind of person, I don't know about you, but I've always needed a lot of sleep. So there's this constant push-pull challenge between getting enough sleep and also getting up early enough to really get my day started off on the right foot. So I kind of have to balance those things. So 5 a.m. for me is a really good start time. And the first thing that I do is meditate. So sometimes I'll just stay in bed and do that. Or sometimes I will actually sit and be intentional with sitting through the meditation. And I won't say ashamed to admit, but I for years have been working on trying to meditate without any guided meditation apps or anything. But at this point, this is an area where I have just decided, you know what? Guided meditation is better than no meditation. So I've tried to build up to that just sitting in complete silence. I'm not there. But I start generally with like a 10 to 15 minute guided meditation and I will pick something. YouTube is a great resource for these. If you just search guided meditation, I try to find one that I know will meet me where I am in that day, depending on what I have going on, what my stress level is, if there's anxiety going on, or if I'm in a good spot. So I kind of just choose something for the day to set the tone. And then after I do that, I try to make it a point to move my body. So whatever that looks like, sometimes it's going to a yoga class, sometimes it's going for a run, sometimes it's doing a workout in my garage, whatever that looks like for me, moving my body and getting physically active is a a really critical way to start my day. And then once I do that, obviously there's the whole, you need to nourish your body. I'm eating and typically I still have to pack lunches for my kids and get that portion of the morning routine done. But the critical pieces of it for me are the meditation, the working out, and then really not touching technology until after I am out the door and on the way with my day. So mine is somewhat similar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wake up, I'll try to do 4.30, 4.45, depending on what's going on. I will say that since we've been in quarantine, I've been getting up later, like much later (laughs) because I don't know, life is just so different. If I can do the things I was doing, even if it's at a little later time, I feel like that's a win at this point, to be honest. (laughs) Definitely. And I will admit, same thing. Mine has crept to like a 6 a.m. start time, but you do what you got to do. I will say about 70 days ago, because I think we're on like day 70 or so of quarantine, something around there. Uh So before that, I was a solid 4.30, 4.45 wake up. Uh And the thing is, you were talking about the amount of sleep that you need. When I was trying to put my routine together, one of the things I did is I kind of experimented in the beginning to figure out exactly how much sleep I needed. And I learned 
through a variety of choosing when to go to bed and when to wake up that I require seven hours of sleep. That is exactly what I require. And if you can figure that out for yourself, like I don't even need my alarm to wake up most of like when I was in, in my routine, well, I would just wake up. It was great. As long as I went to bed at the right time. I would wake up before the alarm and that makes it so much easier. <laughs> if you're if you've got an alarm telling you what to do in the morning, you don't always want to move, right? It does and I will admit I am a serial snoozer. Oh. <laughs> that is a challenge that I have had to overcome. And to your point, if you find that time for me, I find it's about six and a half hours at a minimum. Seven so is more ideal. So it's not much sleep. You don't think so? I guess it no. seems I don't know. You're not a machine learner. You're a person. (laughs) Listen, I've started making up bedtime stories for my kids at night that like, you have to go to sleep because if you don't, you don't grow and your brain doesn't work right and you don't Uh have the right dreams. And I've made up a whole like fantasy story about it. And and Joe, my four-year-old now is like, can I still have dreams if I go to bed late? No, (laughs) no, they're not coming. You need to go now. And if you don't have dreams, you can't be creative and watching concept. I'm moving in on it. But yeah, you need to... Yeah. As an adult, I tell myself stories like that. You have to tell yourself... Well, I mean, they are, you do grow. Rest. This yeah. isn't fantasy. So no. You're right. So when you get the right amount of sleep, you wake up yeah. naturally. And it doesn't happen in one night. I feel like you need maybe a couple of weeks of really testing it, maybe like one or two weeks of testing it. But yeah, in a very short period of time, I feel like my internal clock just adjusted. And yeah, I shifted to knowing that I need seven hours. So... I mean, that tells you when to go to bed. And if you have an iPhone you can, in your alarms, you can set it. So it will tell you, oh, it's time to go to bed because this is how much sleep you need if you want to get up at this time. So it snoozes my text messages, it, like everything. It automatically helps me do the things that I know I need to do, but maybe don't do so well anyways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so figuring out the sleep thing and figuring out a routine at night that leads me to get to bed for that time was really, really helpful to make my morning routine what I want it to be. And I am not a good meditator. (laughs) It's just not something, like I sit and I think and I pause and I spend time with myself, absolutely, um, especially in quarantine. But (laughs) it's not something that I actively pursue. Maybe I should. Maybe I can put that on my my list of things for the fourth quarter. Maybe that will be something. (laughs) I love that you think about it in quarters. (laughs) When I'm at my best, I get up. I do usually a HIIT workout in the morning, or if it's not a HIIT workout day, then I'll do like a, a good like yoga routine or something. But more often than not, I'm doing some sort of HIIT workout. Once a week though, I don't, I just get up and read. I get up and I just use that time to read because I've, especially lately, I found myself missing out on that. I used to be a very active reader and it just hasn't gotten the time that it deserves. I am with you on that. And you know what I started doing? A tendency I have is thinking, I don't have enough time to allocate to sit and read. So that's why I haven't been reading. And you just reminded me one thing I started doing after my meditation is I set the timer for five minutes and I will just pick up my Kindle and whatever it is I'm trying to read through, I'll spend five minutes on it because I can do five minutes. It doesn't seem like a lot, but you're making forward progress on it. And it feels like I'm still getting that reading in, but maybe I should try what you're doing and just do 
this is why I love talking about this. Maybe I'll just try <laughs> one day a week. I will just sit down and read for a solid 30 minutes. Like I'm trying to, now that it's nice out here because I'm in the Northeast. So we've just gotten into like nice weather in in the end of May. We're just getting to nice weather. So like trying to get out and, and walk more. I can't really run very well at this point. So I'll walk. So, but just getting some like fresh air. But if I do that, I don't usually do it in the morning. I'll do it later in the day. So yeah, I give myself that reading time in the morning. And it's the only time my house is quiet. Like, there's three kids and two adults here. It's the only time it's quiet. So yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. I view the morning time, whatever I've allocated there, if it's a half an hour or whatever it is, I just view that as my time to do something for myself. And so I can choose what I want to do for myself in that time. That's how I set that up for myself, like mentally. That's the mindset mm-hmm. I go in with. So if I decide that I wake up and because of my RA, like my joints don't feel well, maybe I'll just stretch for a little bit and then I'll read or something. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, you have to kind of work with what you're given on that day, I suppose. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Do you keep your same weekday work schedule morning routine on the weekend or do you shift? No, nope, I shift. I intentionally shift. So if I would expect to work out at 530, I would. I was going to the gym at like eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. So I'm still going. I figure that right. works. But yeah, that's because I will stay up later. So yes. if I'm staying up later, I'm going to wake up later. I'm not looking to exhaust myself. I'm not looking to overextend myself. I'm looking to get in the things that I believe I need to get in to feel my best. That's my Mm -hmm. whole goal. Or what are all the things that I want to do and when can I fit them in? Mm -hmm. And so I try to schedule them out really well during the week. And on the weekends, still get them in, but shift the time so that I can enjoy family and friends. Yeah. What I try to do sometimes is I try to leverage an overlap thing. So if I have something where my mind needs to be working, I might at the same time be doing something that's mindless to just accomplish two things at once. I know like we walking? can't multitask. Like, so if I have a conference call that I just need to listen to, I might go for a walk while I'm listening to the call, or I might be folding laundry while I'm listening to the call, something just to kill two birds with one stone, but that's two totally very different tasks where you're not competing for your attention. No, I like that, especially the walking. I think there's actual evidence supporting that walking while thinking helps to boost creativity and the productivity in your mind. So there's good move on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're doing more than killing two birds with one stone. You're you're actually enhancing one with the other. So well, well done, Lauren. That's well <laughs> so thank natural. You. But the challenge is multitasking, they have determined, obviously, and by they, I mean people who yeah. know what they're talking about. Um right. that we really can't multitask. I tell my kids this all the time. All the time they're trying to do multiple things at a time. And I'm explaining to them, you really, we think that we can multitask, but it's actually really, really inefficient. And that has been a challenge for me because I was a huge multitasker for a really long time. How many people put that on their resume? Great at multitasking. I think what people mean is I'm great at handling multiple obligations or responsibilities. But if you're actually multitasking, it means you're doing two things that require your attention at the same time. And you can't do either of them to the best of your ability and to the best that they deserve. Like you're not honoring either one properly if you're doing them simultaneously. So like you said, you choose something mindless. Right. Your body knows how to fold so you don't have to think about it. So you can focus on the call. Your body knows how to walk. You don't need to focus on it while you're focusing on the meeting, right? So that works. 
but I'm not having a phone call and writing an email at the same time yeah. because you're not giving, it is rude, but people do it. You can tell when you're on the phone with someone, oftentimes it'll be a loved one, not necessarily a business call where you're trying to email, but you suddenly go, are you listening to what I'm saying? So I just tried to be very intentional with that. And what I'm getting at is you can't create efficiency by trying to multitask because it actually is counterintuitive. It is, it's not efficient at all. So how do you manage your tasks? Like I know that one thing we've talked about before and really helped each other with is like a time management system for for work, like the calendar. Yes. <laughs> we've gone through the calendar. We've both found that the same planner works really well for us for our work life, right? We both use the high performance planner and love it. Absolutely love it. I've sent it to other people, but also finding systems within using it, right? Like it's kind of like tailoring it to your own needs. Exactly. And that actually is a part of my morning routine that I left out. Mm. Is oh, me too. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sitting down with the planner. And typically it's while I'm having my coffee in the morning. And it's also this ongoing struggle between digital organization and leveraging technology and something tactile, like a physical planner where you're writing things down. So I have found a way to marry the two, which actually works best for me. Mm -hmm. So I am sitting down every morning. And the thing I really love about the high performance planner is that it asks you a series of questions. So it forces you to be very, very intentional with your day. And one of my favorite questions that it asks is, or it's not a question, you're writing out one action I could take today to demonstrate excellence or real value is, and you write that down. And there's a series of questions like this. It, it moves you from being just task-oriented where you're trying to check off boxes to accomplish things to being intentional about what you're doing. It moves you to really think about why you're doing the things you're doing. And it helps eliminate the tasks that don't move you towards your actual bigger goals and vision for yourself, right? Yes. What I really like about those questions in the planner is it's not necessarily task-oriented where you're just looking at 30 or 15-minute intervals in your day and scheduling in things to do. Instead, it asks you to first say, if I could only accomplish one thing today, what's it going to be? And how, like something that will support how I want to show up, the vision for who I am mm -hmm. and, you know, how I can, because other questions are about, you know, who can, who needs me today? Who needs yes. me to, to show up and come through? And so if you can focus on what's most important in your day, I mean, what do you have to do? Who needs you? And how can you provide value? It really helps you prioritize what you're going to do and gets you to those three things, typically, that if you can do nothing else, what are the three things that have mm -hmm. to get done? And everything else is filling for the most part. Yes. And not only that, but it gives meaning to the tasks that are on your list, Ooh, which yeah. I find makes them easier to accomplish and check off because it's putting it in context and really providing meaning to everything. So what I do is typically for my week, I will sit down and map out how I'm spending all of my time. I have a super nerdy spreadsheet, I will admit, where I break down in categories because we're wearing multiple hats all the time. We're jumping from working with prospective clients to working with existing clients to managing a business to working on marketing for the business to continuing education and making sure we're managing the investment portfolio. So we're shifting gears all the time as financial advisors. And what I've found is that time blocking and really mapping out my entire week so that I 
and doing minimal shifting gears back and forth because we lose a lot of time and efficiency when we're jumping between tasks and types of tasks, right? Because you have to shift your mind, like the way you're thinking, you really have to shift and pivot going from one type of activity to another. If you're doing something that's extremely analytical and then shifting over to something that's creative and then moving over to networking or marketing or sales related, those require a different type of energy and to have your head in a different place. I'd actually like to take a step back. So we've been talking about like for your week, I actually, for the first time ever in a really meaningful way. And it was totally blown to bits, but in a really uh-huh. meaningful way, had mapped out my year. Wow. In December, I mapped out the year. I looked at the whole calendar and started with time off. That was what I started with, was thinking about how much time I wanted to take off. So a week vacation in the summer in July, a week vacation in the summer in August, where I really was not working, which is super hard for us. <laughs> It is hard, but it also makes sense. If you translate it and think about how we talk to our clients Mm. with pay yourself first, allocate your savings first. It is the same in your personal life to allocate. That's your savings, essentially. It is my savings because it's, you know, what rejuvenates you in in one sense. It refreshes you in one sense. So I try to do Mm -hmm. two weeks in the summer in, in July and August that are actual weeks where I'm not scheduling anything for work, no phone calls, nothing. And then at the holidays a week, and then just like filling in the other days that I need. So I make sure that I have those, like take the day off early on my kid's birthday. So I'm home for dinner, like all of those kinds of things. And then from there, any business travel. So really going in and looking at the most valuable places for me to be investing my time and my money and my energy, right? So the conferences that are going to be most beneficial, people that I want to see who are integral, in my opinion, to helping me move forward and grow getting all of that in my calendar first. So those are X'd out because I don't control my calendar myself necessarily. Like other people have access to it and put appointments in for me. Right. I want to make sure I have blocked that first and then try to time block. So saying if on any given day, and I've used, I've started using Calendly to help with that, like no more than two certain types of appointments in any given day with buffers. This is something that I gleaned from you and a couple of other people we talked to about this kind of thing. And I cannot say enough about Calendly. It has revolutionized things (laughs) for me from a scheduling standpoint. You wouldn't think that something so simple would do so much, but it has eliminated so much back and forth regarding scheduling appointments. It takes a huge level of friction out of the scheduling process. And really identifying mm-hmm. different types of meetings as opposed to just having a meeting in the schedule, but having an actual meeting that right. says when a prospect or a client knows this meeting is intended to be 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 90 minutes, they go in with a very good expectation. It's, it's very clear. So you've got your personal time scheduled first, your business travel scheduled next, and then your time blocking. Along the way. So mm-hmm. I look at kind of the categories that you described earlier. There's some that needs to be allocated to business planning, some that needs to be allocated to learning. So mm-hmm. like continuing education and then actual marketing, like prospecting and meetings with existing clients. And then also to the investment management side. So I kind of look mm-hmm. through there and it's not all the same every week, right? So I try to look at on a month by month basis and then break down the weeks. So I know within any given month, I want to allocate X number of hours to professional development. Well, if I'm at a conference, that more than covers that. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I need to renew my insurance licenses. Got to get on that before before the end of May. So that is in my schedule for next week. 
So all of those kinds of things fit in there. And, and then Calendly fills in the rest when people mm-hmm. want to schedule meetings with me. So even though it got totally blown up. It really did. <laughs> how, so do did. You, <laughs> how do you feel that, what was the positive effect? Of- I learned the process, right? Yeah. So I, I committed to a process. I also prioritized what was important to me. That was really probably the biggest part of it was saying, what's important to me? And let's mark that first. Mm-hmm. And now I know the process, so I've kind of adjusted it. So we still use Calendly. I still have rules in there. And actually, you were saying it revolutionized the way you do things because it reduced friction. But now in this environment, where we're all working remotely. Being able to just text someone my availability or you know, send via email makes a huge, huge difference for everyone involved because mm-hmm. two other people in my office have access to my schedule. So mm-hmm. it just makes it so much easier. So, so much easier. So I, I learned, yeah, to prioritize what's important and make sure that's in there first, pay yourself first. And then the process of fitting things in and the different areas that need to be addressed. Because something else I learned was that things may take longer than you think they take, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? May? Especially now, my gosh, I've been seeing how things and I'm like, oh, I could knock that out in 20 minutes. No, apparently that takes me an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somehow mm-hmm. it takes me an hour. Also, I think having things blocked, like I block, check my email, that's in my schedule. So I'm not doing it when it's not allotted and therefore not wasting time. Okay. So you hit on two points that I was going to talk about, which are that I actually spent a good, I want to say this is about two years ago that I did this, but I spent a good year where I tracked how long everything I did took me, which was painful for me to do because in that I'm thinking this is so how much such time a waste of time take? right exactly except that this is where it's like investing I'm investing my time in tracking my time to then be able to leverage and be more efficient with my time so you have to overcome that hurdle at first and realize in the short term this is going to be inefficient and this is going to require some time but it's for a long it's trading that short term for long term right it's also like just part of running your business. That was yes. you doing so that counts. That actually counts if you think about it as part of running your business. So we've been so lucky to have so many friends and colleagues who are willing to share on this because when we talk about having developed processes or developed tools or techniques that we like to use, we didn't come up with them ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've reached out and talked to so many people about what works to them from you know managing email to managing Mm -hmm. your calendar, to working with an assistant efficiently. Like there's so many different things. If you're feeling a challenge in managing your time, I think really talking to other people about what has been successful for them is so important, especially if they're people who are like you, meaning they have a similar type of business and a similar maybe type of family life and expectation for that life, right? Like we both have children. We both care about taking care of our bodies. We both care about moving our business forward and, you know, being productive. So if you find someone who's like-minded, you can share what's worked and hasn't worked. And I think that's super helpful and will in the end help you save a lot of time. Absolutely true. And truth be told, nothing that I do, I don't think is any original idea of my own. It's all things that I have heard somewhere, whether it be on a podcast or in talking with like-minded individuals or other business people and gleaning from them, taking what works and leaving the rest. And over time, adapting and adjusting it to where I am currently 
and what my needs are. And I think that for me, having spent that time tracking how long things take was critical because like you said, things typically take longer than we anticipate. And what I was finding was I want to set proper expectations, especially when it comes to working with my clients. So if I I could have a bunch of appointments on my calendar and I can look to my calendar on Outlook for next week and say, okay, it looks like I have a ton of free time, right? But I know how that time is being spent. And so when I'm talking with someone and let's say I'm putting together a financial plan for them and I want to be able to tell them, this is when you can anticipate I will have this ready for you. By actually knowing how much time everything takes and putting it on this spreadsheet for my week, I know this week I have 30 minutes available. That's not going to be enough time to get this done. So it's going to take, no, not even close In, in no way, shape or form. So then I have to look to, okay. And I loosely, I really do it one week at a time. So I try to, at the end of one week, look forward to the next week. And sometimes I'll build out two weeks at a time, depending on, I loosely have the second week prepared because you kind of have to roll through that and look ahead to what your needs are. So I'm marrying my Calendly, which launches onto my Outlook calendar, which I then translate to this overview spreadsheet to give me my tasks and how much time is occupied during my day. But really, pen to paper is where I find mapping out the individual day works for me to say, these are all the tasks that I have to complete today. At what point during the day am I going to do these things? And Donna, I've shared this with you. I have developed, and this is through a lot of trial and error, I use color-coded sticky notes. So (laughs) I will take my various tasks that I have to complete throughout the day. And depending on whether it is client-related or practice management related or project-based or planning-based, whatever it is, I have got a system for what color different things are. And I will write out what it is I'm doing and stick it in the time slot on my planner. And the reason I use a sticky note instead of just writing it in pencil even is I got so tired of erasing and rewriting. I might take the same task Mm -hmm. and erase and rewrite it three times. And this makes it very easy for me to transfer because undoubtedly there will be things that I didn't accomplish that day. And to get back to my Excel spreadsheet where I'm figuring out how much time I need to spend on different tasks, I cushion. Every day I have a cushion of 30 to 45 minutes of unexpected things that are going to creep up in the day because there I think has that's, to be. There has to be. That's where a lot of us go wrong with time management is not taking into account the time for transition and the time for unexpected things creeping in. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be an email you need to respond to or a phone call you need to take or your brain just takes you to another place thinking about something. You need time for that. Absolutely. You shared this with me at the beginning of this year and I adopted it as well, the color-coded sticky notes. And when we got into this, we weren't quarantined yet. I was still like in the office but the tasks were like mounting up. My time blocking, certain categories for my time blocking just got pushed aside. They were not critical, but my critical tasks, there were a ton of them. And so I started putting them down individually on sticky notes on one side of my blotter, you know, the desk blotter Mm -hmm. on one side. And when I finished it, I moved it to the other because I needed a visual confirmation of my productivity. (laughs) I needed to see it. And moving those from one side to the other was super, super helpful. But I do the same thing that you do. I moved from having everything digital to a hybrid of a digital 
representation of my paper calendar because writing things down, you know, there's science behind that, that the, the neurons in your fingers, the connection makes you remember it better, connect with it better than if you're just typing. That's why when you write down your notes, it's more effective than if you're um, typing them in class, right? Yes. It's that whole process. Speaking of that, another technique I have adopted is I use my iPad and I will handwrite my notes. Oh, with the pen? With the pen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then I can translate it into text. Mm -hmm. So I'm handwriting my notes. I translate it into text. And then I can email that to my assistant to add to my meeting. Totally clean. You've taken it into your brain in a different way because you wrote it down. Process it differently. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm always trying to find ways to make things the best of both and marry two things together. So the digital and the tactile together, trying to find a way to make them work and leverage things for the great things they can provide and try to minimize the drawbacks to some of those. I think you follow a similar process to me in terms of at the beginning of this year, while I was doing my calendar, I also, so I guess it was technically December, um, I also took out a bunch of index cards and broke down my like major overarching goals into like individual tasks. So I went through and said, there's something that I wanted to learn. And then all of the individual tasks that I needed to do to accomplish that, those individual tasks then got little sticky notes. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where I went. So going through from like a super high level and figuring out what you want to accomplish, what are the things that you need to do to help you accomplish that? And then breaking those goals down into individual tasks, super, super helpful because those are the things you can fit into your schedule. You're not going to fit, you know, mastering social media that's not a thing in your schedule, right? Right, right. right. Yeah. And that's part of actually another component of my time management system is I do have one of those big desk blotter mm. calendars and along the side of it is just lined sections. I know because so I bought I do... any one you have. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Target, for your pretty pastel line of calendars. <laughs> right, and they're very simple and they're large and tons of space to write on. So what I've done is I have the month. So this is, we're kind of talking about breaking things down between the year, planning for the year, planning for the month, planning for the week, planning for the day. Mm -hmm. And really when you start at the high level and break it down slowly, you can be more efficient with your time. And there's something to the fact, and this is one of the reasons I love the high performance planner too, is just having written down and having top of mind what your overarching goals are. Even though one of the things is what's something you may not have time to get to today, but it's it's a it's a goal that you have for yourself. It reminds yourself that it's a priority. Just because you can't get yes. to it today doesn't mean you're not going to do it. It reminds you of it. You're writing it down. And when you write things down, you're more likely to manifest them. You just are. Yes, you are. It's it sits in your subconscious. You're looking for ways to incorporate it into your day. And so that's what I love about this monthly calendar is I do have, like you took the tasks that are going to help you move toward those big overarching goals. I have just a series of sticky notes that are things that I haven't allocated a specific day or time to do these things, but they are sitting there. And when I have the time, I can move them and put them into the spot where they need to go. So it's this floating out there list of things that I know. And at the end of the day, for me, it's about dumping everything out of my brain Mm. and onto paper because I can work so much more efficiently when my brain is not 
cluttered. Shockingly, my brain is not terribly organized. So <laughs> I feel like I constantly have a million things. Well, I am, I'm going to argue with you on that. Your brain is very organized, but I'm sure it feels a little bit chaotic sometimes because you're thinking about so much. I have so much I want to do like, and so much I need to do and people who need me to do things. And so I'm one of those people that it's constantly running through. You're talking about meditating and like the calm brain thing. And I'm like, oh, I wake up and my brain is like, okay, let's run through. You know what? This is my version of meditation, okay? Uh I don't have a calm brain, but I can be calm and think about everything that I want to do that day because you do your planner the night before, right? So then I'm Mm -hmm. visualizing Mm -hmm. in the morning like, okay, first I'm going to do this and I'm doing it because. And I think that when I can kind of run through it in that way, it allows me to then begin my day with purpose and peace and a sense that I will get done what most needs to be accomplished. When we were working in office, I was a lot better about taking breaks. So when you're in transition, sometimes between things, it's easy to like work a break in. Mm -hmm. was horrible about it. The first like month and a half of work from home and quarantine and such. And then I, I listened to Um, it was, it was a webinar. I mean, there have been so many good webinars, quite frankly. And one of them said every hour, like for every 50 minutes, five out every 50 minutes, you should give yourself a five to 10 minute break. You need rest. Your meetings shouldn't go longer than that unless they absolutely have to. Your focus on what you're doing, you will end up being more efficient for taking that break. And like, like sometimes I've literally done like jumping jacks. Like I've just gotten up and Mm -hmm. gotten a glass of water and done jumping jacks or something. Probably not in that order. Probably jumping ducks first, then water. But because <laughs> I've had a bunch of babies. But um, that's, yeah, like you need to like break your focus to refresh yourself and then get refocused. And that, that increases productivity over time. So I've had to like re-implement that. Well, and I think that's an important point. I was about to say, just so no one thinks that we are like these efficiency machines that are just constantly achieving and accomplishing and getting everything done we want. We're talking ideal world right now. This is not the oh, reality. To the contrary, of- cool. I'm talking about it because I struggle. Honestly, when I talk to you about it, Lauren, when I listen to other people speak about it, when I have conversations, it feeds me. Like it feeds yes. me and it inspires me to do better because it's not about being perfect. It's about constantly getting back on the bicycle, <laughs> constantly yes. falling off and getting back on. <laughs> And for me, it's almost like, I'm going to use an exercise and nutrition analogy to describe this. It's almost like you work out so that you can have dessert. You're burning those calories (laughs) so you can consume calories. Wait a minute, is there another reason? (laughs) (laughs) So in this sense, for me, planning and being strategic with my time and really thinking about this is so that... I can spend the time relaxing and rejuvenating and enjoying. This last weekend, I didn't do a thing that was productive. I relaxed and did basically nothing. So, yeah, it has. And I think that it's important to realize that you need that balance, for lack of a better term. You need that balance. And so, the reason we do all of these things and try to be very efficient with our time is to maximize the time we have with our families, with our friends, with our loved ones, doing the things in life that are important to us. Our work for you and me, and this might be different for different people depending on what kind of work you do, but for us, our work is very fulfilling and rewarding and meaningful and important. But it's also rewarding and meaningful and important to be able to go on vacation and spend with our family, to be able to attend our children's 
activities and events and be a part of those meaningful moments. And that's really what life is all about. So we're trying to be efficient in order to be able to live our best lives. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We've talked to a lot of people about, I probably had three or four conversations in the last week with people who I think are similar to us in the way they work and Mm -hmm. and the way they push and just the sudden lack of motivation because of, or diminished motivation because of lack of reward, I guess, lack of things to look forward to when you can't schedule because things are so uncertain. But I'm really happy. I feel like over the last week or so, I've, maybe I'm talking about it now because I feel like I'm pushing to the other side of it, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, I've Mm -hmm. definitely gotten back into a schedule that much more reflects my previous, my life before quarantine. It much more reflects that life. And I think, I don't know if it's because I can start to see some states opening up, frankly. Like I can start to see, like my state is, well, all all 50 states are, but like here in Rhode Mm -hmm. Island, I know we're starting to be able to do things, certainly not in the same way, but that gives me hope. And we need to have hope. We need to have hope for what's to come and that you can do things. And so I think if this is your first time really looking at how to put together a morning routine or your first time at really looking at how to calendar your time and time block and practice time management because it's not something you accomplish. It's something you practice regularly. It's an ongoing practice. Then you have to have things to look forward to on the calendar. So I've started really trying to push myself to put things on the calendar, even if it's a walk with a neighbor Mm -hmm. or like a phone call with a friend, actually putting them on the calendar so that I can see them so that I look forward to them. But when I write them down and, and see them, it makes me want to like do the things in between to move towards it. Totally. And I think you touched on something really important too, which is that if you haven't developed this kind of routine yet or haven't found a time management system that works for you, or if you had one that worked really well, but there were some things you wanted to change, this whole adjustment period we're going through is a great opportunity to sit down and revisit. And it's kind of like a big reset button. I've been talking to people about how this has been a big reset button for people's budgets, for example, because you're really getting back down to basics and looking at the core of what are your actual needs versus wants and how are we spending our money? And the same thing is true of our time. To look at during this time, we've had to shift in such a different way, allocate our time we are going to slowly adjust and get back. We probably won't ever get back to the way things were, quite frankly. Life is going to be different, not dramatically different, but I think we're going to be looking at it through a different lens moving forward. But this is a great opportunity to develop those morning routines, those systems. Maybe you're planning for the year ahead now when you hadn't before. I honestly am inspired by that. I have not ever looked at, I might very loosely look at a year, but I'm not blocking out my time for an entire year. And I think that's something I can really take away and implement with this. And you're going to need to allow yourself a lot of time to do that. I'm going to tell you, it's just, you know, it's not like a 45 minute task. So I need to time block my block for it. Yeah. Time blocking. Okay. (laughs) Just warning you ahead of time. Yeah. I feel like we're entering the matrix here. I'm time blocking my, my time blocking. But really, this has been a great conversation. And I think that there are so many things we can learn from each other, like you said. And that's what this is all about. Just presenting 
what works for us. And we would really, really love to hear from you as well. The way to get in touch with us and tell us, we'd love to hear what time management techniques are working for you. What tools have you found that really help you with your efficiencies, technology? I, for one, am looking for a really good list app. I used to use something called Wonderlist and they have stopped supporting it. So I need things Well, that was rude. Super rude. They did give me plenty of warning, I will admit. And I was delinquent. They told you for a year. They told you for a year. (laughs) Maybe not quite a year. They did let me know. But the best way to get in touch with us and, and share with us what you loved hearing about, even what you'd love to hear on future episodes too, is to send us a DM at life underscore rebalanced on Instagram. Um, We'd love to connect with you and hear what you took away from this, what works for you, things maybe we didn't talk about that we could incorporate. We did. Follow us. And if there's an episode that you'd like, screenshot it, put it in your stories and tag us so you can share with your friends and let them know. Because if you hear something and it's worked for you, chances are maybe you have a friend that's struggling with it and it could work for them too. Absolutely. So until next time. Until next time, be well. Be well.